Opinions of this program do not necessarily reflect those of the Zone Sports Network, its management, or staff. It's 10 a.m., which means it's time for Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yes, good morning. It is Utah Car Sense here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, am I still on? I'm okay. Something got pushed here. Uh, all right, welcome in. I'm Austin Horton in Studio 2, brand new Studio 2 here at The Zone Sports Network. And still working out a few of the bugs on my end over here. Uh, George Roska is in for Jeff Miller today. And George... You're joining us from a safe social distance, uh, I assume at work, but via the wonders of work. Al Gore's internet. Yeah, yeah, I've social distanced myself here in uh, Jeff Miller's office. It's oh. uh, nice and comfy, and um, I was kind of looking forward to doing the show because I thought we were going to get to see each other today, but then Roger's like, yeah, no, they're still not doing the <laughs> the, the studio, so I was a little bummed, but I'm always glad to, to be here and, and be on the show, and uh get to get to talk to you at least well we 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 are working towards hopefully a sooner than later uh in-person show i'm thinking within the next few weeks we should be able to get you guys back into the studio the the complication that has come up is that now it's it's not so much anymore about keeping uh you know germs away we're still doing that but we've we've gone into the routine with that and it's pretty safe here there's a temperature check and there's hand sanitizer and gloves and masks and we keep six feet away and microphone covers and on and on and on it's now that we're under construction in our studios okay because i don't know if you i don't know if you heard about this but when the earthquake hit it fried our systems uh, here at the Zone Sports Network, and so we had to no, I didn't uh, care. go through the whole insurance claim and get those replaced. Mm, and the no bad fun. news was that they the equipment we were using it was only a few years old, but it was uh, they don't make it anymore, and so we had to get all new stuff. That was the bad news. The good news is insurance oh, is a good thing, and just kind of wrote that check for us. So now we're just yes. rebuilding. Very good thing. <laughs> so uh, all those jokes about the earthquake of 2020, Salt Lake, we will rebuild. That's actually real here at uh, the Zone Sports <laughs> Network Studios, but it's been a wild year. Oh. Now, when was the last time you and I did a show? Was was it March? I can't even Man, recall. it's, it's got to be February because March was when everything kind of closed down, and yeah. I, I traveled a little bit right before. For that, and I don't think we got to see each other. I think it was like the end of February, so it's been it's been months. Now, how was traveling? Right now, if I'm not mistaken, you traveled uh, back home, didn't you? To uh, Romania, yeah, I okay. traveled. Well, no, no, that oh. was uh, that was last year. This oh, okay. was just a business trip to Kansas City. Oh, okay. But um, it was like right in the middle of of everything shutting down, basically. Right. <laughs> I think we were there from March 8th through like the 12th. Okay. And I think the 12th is maybe when the NBA shut down with with uh, Rudy and uh, getting the coronavirus. And I think that's like right when we were traveling back. And mind you, everything seemed normal at the time. It, there weren't a lot of people wearing masks on the plane. The plane was packed. Um, as, as far as I know, nobody was sick. We didn't get sick. Luckily, everything was, was good. But it was just super surreal as everything was kind of happening and we were just getting on a really busy plane. <laughs> right. And yeah, you're right. March 11th was the game against the thunder for the jazz that didn't happen. So the next day, the 12th is when you would, when you were coming back and it's, it's, it's funny how it took an NBA situation for everybody to start looking at this a little more seriously. And by funny, I don't mean ha-ha funny. I mean strange. Like, why did it take that uh, for for everyone to – well, not everybody. There are still those out there that don't take it seriously, and that's, I guess, their prerogative. And even though it bothers me, that's their prerogative and they're right. But uh, it, even though a lot of people, I think, after Rudy Gobert was uh, the first NBA player to test positive – I think a lot of people who were skeptical before then started taking it a little more seriously. And it's a strange phenomenon to me that 
We've got all kinds of health experts and doctors and uh, people who have been to uh, medical school and, and have been experienced for decades in the in the uh, medical field and the, and scientists and they're all out there telling us this is real. You need to do this. You need to do that. And everyone's like, ha, pasha. And then Rudy Gobert gets it, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, this thing's real. <laughs> it's just kind of weird to me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty weird and, and sad, probably uh, <laughs> about what it says about us as a society. But um, no, it did take something like that. You know, it did take a celebrity. I remember like it was big news when Tom Hanks had it, and. You know, and it's it's like, well, what about the thousands of other people, regular people that have it? Why don't we worry, you know, as much about them? And yeah, I, I think it's just, uh, yeah, we don't we don't trust our public health experts as much in this country, but we we do sure trust our celebrities and uh, and sports stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, and then to to kind of argue against my point also is we had Dr. Anthony Fauci on TV in March saying, no, you don't need masks. They're not important. You don't need to worry True. about it. And really, we should have been masking up then uh, as we look back. But hey, we've come a long way since March. Even though our numbers are skyrocketing here in the state every day, the rate of positivity of positive result of uh, tests is still about the same percentage, a little higher than it used to be. The hospitalization rate is still within check, although that could change really quickly if we don't, you know, take this seriously and do the right thing and wear masks and continue to wash our hands and socially distant, uh, distance ourselves. So uh, anyway, th that's a long way to say I've missed George Roska, and I'm grateful you're back on the show, albeit I can't see your beautiful smiling face. <laughs> Next time, buddy. Next time I'll come in studio <laughs> after all the construction and uh, we'll social distance and be safe and then do everything we need to do. But uh, yeah, it'll be awesome to, to be back together. Now, we do need a, an employee update report, and maybe you don't know the details of this uh, uh, right away. I don't know which store he's based out of or where he's working, but our guy Adrian Lizer is now an employee of the Mark Miller Subaru Corporation, and uh, I, I was just wondering if you've come across Adrian and if you've seen him around the office. I haven't. He's at the Southtown store, unfortunately, oh, okay. for me. Um, I was hoping to snag him over at this location. Um, you know, Je Jeff had kind of talked to me about it. And then um, I, I went out of town for about a week. Um, and then when I got back, I had heard that he got hired on to Southtown. So I'm really happy he's with us. But uh, maybe one day I'll snag him back over here. <laughs> yep, for sure. He's a good kid and a good kid. I say kid. He's not that much younger oh, he's than great. me. But... I, I hear he's doing a great job so far. So keep it up, buddy. Yep. Andy, and for our listeners who know Adrian well, he's been uh, offered a, a position on the Weber State volleyball coaching staff for this fall. So that's really exciting news for Adrian as well that nice. he'd be able to uh, pursue that passion uh, beyond uh, what he was doing previously on the high school level. George, we have a lot to get to in the world of cars, uh, the industry. Ford with some big announcements. Uh, our, our producer, Eric Jensen, will not like the Tesla story I have on the T for us today. Uh, and also... Big time movie news. Have you ever seen the movie or read the book Into the Wild, George Roska? Oh yeah, both uh, both seen the movie and read the book. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, and you are a bit of an outdoorsman. You like to go hiking. You like to go out in the wilderness. I'm not like a <laughs> professional by any means. I would never attempt anything like that. Um, the, the romance of it definitely appeals to me, but yeah, I love to get outdoors. I love to be out in the woods, hiking, mountain biking, whatever, um, skiing in the winter. Um, and I just love that story. Well, the story is, it's a, it's a real true story about a, a, a guy named Christopher McCandless who, uh, was raised, uh, you know, in a wealthy situation. His parents were very well to do. He went to, I can't remember which school was it, an Ivy League school. He graduated. He, he, he was a great athlete. He uh, graduated with honors from this prestigious university. And he decided to donate all of his money and all of his possessions to charity and to go uh, rough it on his own in the Alaskan wilderness. And I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't seen the movie or read the book. But at one point, he had this bus that he made into his more or less home there in the Alaskan wilderness. And the bus, the actual real bus, has been sitting there in the same spot all these years. 
that's that's great. That's that's cool. And, and there's there's been a lot of uh, fanfare and interest in going and visiting this bus uh, there in a, in the Alaska wilderness. The problem with that is sadly people were dying or coming yeah. close to dying trying to get to that point and 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 spend a night or two in the bus and that was a big time problem and so what has just taken place i believe yesterday uh no it was uh the 20th so last saturday last saturday juno alaska an abandoned bus in the alaska backcountry popularized by the book into the wild and movie of the same name was removed the decision prioritizes public safety, says Alaska Natural Resources Commissioner Corey Fagg. The bus has long attracted vent- adventurers to an area without cell phone service and marked by unpredictable weather and at times swollen rivers. Some have had to be rescued or have sadly died. Uh, in fact, well, then I'll skip that next sentence. The, the rescue earlier this year of five Italian tourists and death last year of a woman from Belarus intensified calls from local officials for the bus about 25 miles from the park's highway to be removed. The Alaska Army National Guard moved the bus as part of a training mission at no cost to the public or additional cost to the state, says the commissioner. And in fact, you can go on YouTube and search bus from into the wild removed, and you can watch it be extracted and and removed by this huge military uh, twin-engine chopper. Uh, attack and just Chinook. Fly, fly, uh, Chinook, yeah, flying it through the sky out of the Alaskan wilderness. So, uh, you know, I think it's the right decision. I think it's a good, smart decision. But a part of me, be, being the movie buff that I am and, and the the history uh, buff that I that I like to purport to be, a part of me is sad to see a landmark like that removed. But then I remember it's not a natural landmark, and it was costing people their lives. And we can celebrate yeah. it just as well by seeing it in the movie and not having to go actually visit it. Yeah, we don't need people going out and risking their lives, but it is kind of sad to see the, the magic bus fly away. <laughs> the magic bus. In fact, it does kind of look like the magic school bus flying through the sky there. If, if you watch. The, <laughs> That's uh, what they refer to, the mag- or bus 142, you know, for the, yeah. <laughs> the numbers that were on it. Yeah, yep, for sure. But, uh, yeah, people... People were definitely doing um, things that were way beyond their skill level. And that area, I mean, Alaska, the remoteness of Alaska, just Utah pales in comparison to what the wilderness out there is like. And people that, you know, like you said, there's people from Belarus and people that were coming up from from the lower 48 that were going up thinking they can just make an easy day hike to go see this thing and would end up getting in mortal danger or, you know, getting harassed by bears wildlife there's all sorts of uh, dangerous uh, uh situations you can get yourself into right so it's been removed and it is there no longer and that's that's a good thing uh but it had me thinking about and we've done this poll question several times in the past but it's always a fun one it got me thinking about iconic vehicles it doesn't necessarily have to be a cool car but iconic vehicles in movies or books uh, and I was wondering if our listeners could help like us it. out today. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call in. Let us know the most iconic car, vehicle, boat from books, TV, movies, whatever, pop culture in general. 855-340-ZONE. And as a bonus incentive, when you call in, I've got a master list of the best-selling cars every year from the year you graduated from high school going back quite a ways uh so uh if you're interested in finding out back to 1978 uh the year you graduated high school what was the top selling car call in we'll tell you 855-340-ZONE but before we get to phone calls and that sort of thing George how are things at Mark Miller Subaru it's been uh you you guys have been no stranger to the hardships of coronavirus, but you've kept the doors open, you've kept business going, you've kept people employed. How? What's the update today on that journey? Um, you know, business has improved. Uh, I mean, we definitely saw a decrease in, in the months of March and April as everybody across, you know, every industry I'm sure saw. Um, cars tend to be something that, you know, especially here in Utah and in our society that uh, people depend a lot on. And we wanted to make sure that we were here available to help people that needed service, that needed a new vehicle. It, it's an essential thing in people's lives. And so 
we wanted to to be here. Now we took a lot of precautions. Um, we've got more hand sanitizer across the building than I've ever seen. Probably more hand sanitizer than motor oil in this building right now. Um, mm. But uh, everybody's wearing masks. We've got gloves. We're we're disinfecting cars before um, and after test drives so that we're not risking any contamination there. You know, we're doing the best we can. It's it's a new thing for all of us. And like you said, we've all come a long way since March. And I think we've all need to come a little bit further, um, at least with wearing the mask consistently and and doing uh, the social distancing here through the summer, which which makes it tough. We all want to get together with family and see people that we haven't been with for months. But um, with the spike in cases, we're, we're trying to be as careful as we can. How is the uh, employees? How are the employees taking to wearing a mask it's different for everybody everybody's got their own reaction to it and it's uncomfortable but how overall is the reaction to having to wear a mask at work you know i think overall people have been really accepting um yes it's uncomfortable yes it gets hot um some people don't do as well as others but i think <laughs> overall we're, we're trying as, as best we can and, and people are doing better every day um, you know, it, it, the way I see it is it needs to be a gradual improvement and, and we can't just stop here where we're at. We need to do more every day to, to fight this virus and fight the, the spike that's going on. Absolutely. Well, uh, and I know you guys have increased your sanitation uh, in and around the store. I, I've, I've experienced the concierge system twice during this uh, pandemic stoppage, I call it stoppage or, or pausing. I've experienced the, the concierge service twice, the pick up and drop off, and it couldn't have been uh, more comfortable. And I know, I even know Mark Miller Subaru's practices and routines, and I'm not a stranger to it. But even that, that first day when I, they were coming to pick up our car, there was that uneasy feeling I had of, oh, is this, is this the right thing for me to be doing? Is this gonna and I it was actually a lot cleaner and safer than my own car. So <laughs> I think that it was a good thing. Yeah. You guys showed up with gloves and masks. You sanitized the car you were dropping off. You sanitized our car. I know you've increased those things at, at work. How much time is being spent uh, on ensuring that the environment at Mark Miller Subaru stores is just that a healthy, safe spot? Oh, definitely hours a day. I mean, we have we have people from from sales managers to salespeople to concierge to our our lot porters. Everybody is kind of pitching in, doing their job, disinfecting their areas, um, disinfecting the cars after they've been they, they've been driven. And so, um, I think we we've taken every precaution we can. Um, we're going to keep following CDC recommendations and guidelines as they they come um, across. You know, Salt Lake County is now. Um, requiring face masks in public and in any um, retail store. So we're, we're all complying with that. Um, but uh, yeah, we're just going to have to see how this thing goes. It's every, we're taking it uh, day by day. He's George Roska of Mark Miller Subaru Midtown 3535 South State. You've also got the Southtown store there in the auto mall uh, in Sandy. How have uh, the, the customers taken to this change and this new normal is there a lot more online sales happening or are you still seeing people come into the stores? You know, not as much as you would think. There's definitely an increase in online. We've, we've probably doubled our online sales, um, hmm. but that's still not the majority of people. You know, the majority of people are still wanting to come in, um, test drive maybe multiple cars, kind of sit in them, get the feeling. Um, but we are, we're doing more. We're doing a lot more deliveries at home where customer doesn't even come into the dealership. Um, they'll start the process online. We'll send them all the paperwork. We'll take pictures of the car or even bring it out to them to their house to test drive and then uh, just finish out the paperwork right in their driveway. And people have really loved that. I, I don't know that I would do that. Uh, and that's just because I'm a little old fashioned. But if push came to shove and I needed a new car, I think I would do that. And this pandemic, I think, is opening... People like me who have said, oh, never, or no, that's not for me, or I would never do things that way. I'm learning new experiences. I'm learning that I can do things that scare me. I think that that's one added uh, a benefit, a silver lining, if there can be one, of going through this is people are kind of forced out of their comfort zone and to try new things that ultimately they might like better than the old way of doing it. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. It, it forces you out of your comfort zone and 
some of the things that we're going to change that come out of this, people are going to like better. I think people are going to like buying their cars online more and having it delivered and, and doing that. But it's going to take a little bit of time for the majority of people to get used to that idea and to, and to come around. But we want to be able to provide both services. You know, if you want to come into the store, um, we want you to know that or we want you to feel safe that we want you to know that we're taking every precaution that we can. And if you don't feel comfortable coming into the store, we have an option for you there too, where we'll, we'll bring the car to you. We'll do all the paperwork remotely. Um, and so we want to give uh, everybody the option of buying a car the way that works for them. One thing that we missed out on due to the, uh, the pandemic is we, we didn't get that big celebration for uh, the uh, share of the, or the do good, feel good. And the share of the I know. Event. I was really looking forward to that. It's one of my favorite events that we do uh, for the year. But uh, do good, feel we'll have good. Have to right? do it virtually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so is the share the love that's around winter time correct? And then the do good, yeah, feel share, good. Yeah. Share the love is usually from Thanksgiving till the end of the year, mm-hmm. and then do good, feel good. We do typically May, May or June. Right. Um, but yeah, this year, unfortunately, we kind of had to scrap that. So, but give us an update anyway, because I, and I think along with a lot of our listeners, I'm interested to hear about the giveaways and the good beneficial uh, givings that come from every time someone during the share of the love event, every time someone purchases or leases a new car from you guys, you donate uh, to a charity of their choosing. And then at the end, uh, there's usually a big bash and you present these checks full of money uh, for thousands of dollars to these charities. Do you have any results for us on the, the Share the Love event and how much good was done? Um, you know, I don't have the results handy in front of me. I'll have to, to text Mike and see if oh, I can okay. get those uh, and, and come back to that here in a few minutes. But okay. um, it's it's tens of thousands of dollars. You know, it's it's a big event. And, and we donate, uh, along with Subaru, $250 to a charity of your choice. Um, if, if you pick a local, I think we, we step it up to an additional 50. So it's a total of 300. And, um, I mean, we've worked with countless organizations over the years. Um, we've had really good partners in the community. Um, this event does a lot of good, you know, Subaru is not just about selling cars. We're not just about, um, selling as many cars as we can. We want to be a part of this community. We want to be involved with what's going on. We want to help where we can. And so I think that's the biggest difference that you've seen with Subaru and with Mark Miller Subaru um, is we're here to be part of it, not just to take advantage or just sell stuff. Yeah. Well, we'll get some uh, numbers hopefully from Mike Aguilar uh, during the show today. The the esteemed, incredible Mike Aguilar is just one of the best people on earth. And uh, we're, we're grateful to call him a friend and you guys are grateful to have him as an employee yes, and, and in charge of the that side of the arm of Mark Miller Subaru. We'll take our first he does break. An amazing job. He's George Roska. He's the general sales manager of the Midtown Store, thirty five thirty five South State. You can also visit Mark Miller Subaru in the Southtown Auto Mall, and uh, you can call us eight five five three four zero zone with any questions, comments, stories, whatever you've got for us. We'd love to hear from you today. Eight five five. 340 zone most iconic vehicles cars boats trucks uh airplanes uh bicycles any type of vehicle most iconic from pop culture we'd love to hear from you today 855-340 zone coming up tesla some good some bad also coronavirus and the pandemic are changing the way cities are operating right down to the streets that you might live and work on. We'll tell you about it, especially from a local standpoint. Coming up on Utah Carsons. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. Segment two here on a June 27th edition of Utah Car Sense. I'm Austin Horton here with George Roska, general sales manager of the Mark Miller Subaru Midtown store, 3535 South State. Eric Jensen producing for us today. Looking for your phone calls, questions, comments, stories, whatever you've got for us, 855-340-ZONE. We love it when you be uh, become a part of the show, 855 855- 340 zone. If you missed it, we were talking last segment about 
the Into the Wild uh, bus that has now been removed from the Alaska wilderness, made famous by the uh, book Into the Wild by John Krakauer, and of course the movie directed by Sean Penn starring uh, Emil Hirsch. Uh, and uh, we, we'd love to hear of your most iconic vehicles in pop culture, 855-340-ZONE. Roger, uh, or excuse me, George, Roger was uh, on my schedule to, to be with me today, and I'm grateful that he uh, let you join us today because I've missed you, buddy, uh, and I'm excited to have you back on. But we've got Eric Jensen, as I mentioned, producing for us today. And Eric, you're a, you're a fan of Tesla, correct? You like Tesla and what they do. No, no. Oh. See, but here's a, this is a misconception <laughs> that you've perpetrated about me, Austin. Listen, I just think that for the amount of... Of crap we give Tesla, we should just admit when they've done something well. So, like the okay. space launch, that was pretty cool. And landing the drone on the ship, that that was pretty cool. That's all I'm saying. That that yeah. was that's the only case I'm making. They have cars that windows break and uh-huh. their self-driving problems are causing crashes on American highways across the land. False advertising. And, and false fraud. advertising, fraud, all, all those things. <laughs> but we have to acknowledge when they do one good thing. And if we acknowledge when they do one good thing, imagine how much money we would make if Tesla came on as a second sponsor. <laughs> imagine I how much money I we would make. I, uh, they can keep it. Uh, because, uh, George, I don't know how you, and that's a good, I'm glad someone is, is willing to stand up for such a scumbag as Elon Musk. So you, you, Again, you, you wave that flag, not Eric. not standing up for Elon Musk. <laughs> I'm just saying the space launch and landing that little drone on a <laughs> ship is impressive. That's a misconception. I have never once stood up and said Elon Musk is like one of the greatest people of our time. Well, you I just think did. he's he's not though. <laughs> <laughs> now, George, if you had uh, NASCAR or NASCAR NASA uh, scientists uh, making you a, a blender, but you called it Roska's blender, would you take credit for that blender? George, are you with us? Oh, we lose George. We'll have to see George, can, can you hear us? We'll have to see if we can get George back uh, somehow there, but we'll work on that. Uh, anyway, this is a long way of saying I've got a good story for Tesla to celebrate, and I've got a bad story for Tesla. Checking in with George. Uh, George, you got us? Well, keep working on that. That button you keep pushing, Eric, I'm hearing you say, do you got me? Because you're talking to just my mic, so you got to talk to just him. Uh, see if that that would work that way. But the good news, we'll start with the good news for Tesla. The the long-awaited for and ballyhooed semi-truck coming from Tesla, well, a prototype was spotted being used by the automaker to deliver cars during its end-of-the-quarter delivery push. This from Electric. Hello? Yeah, George, you got us? Nope. Have to see if we can connect with George. Uh, maybe have him uh, connect reconnect in fact he's he's texting me right there uh he can't hear anything he says yeah i think we're on a lag here okay we'll see if we can uh, work with that let's turn him off so it doesn't his his voice isn't going over air till we get him back uh so anyway uh reported earlier last week tesla is having logistics issues when it comes to getting eight thousand to ten thousand cars in transit to customers in north america before the end of the quarter well elon musk has even apologized to customers for pushing some delivery dates and thanked transportation partners for doing everything they can in these difficult times, obviously. Tesla is having difficulties moving cars through rail yards and trucking companies who are operating under difficult circumstances as well amid the global pandemic. The automaker is now even using a Tesla semi-prototype to help deliver its vehicles uh, here at the end of the quarter, uh, the, the, the vehicle was spotted and, and by a guy named Alex, a semi near Fremont factory, as the truck was leaving with new vehicles, presumably to move them to other Tesla locations for deliveries to customers. Tesla has always said that it would be one of its first own customers when it comes to Tesla semi. The automaker wants to take advantage of the electric truck to reduce its transportation costs and emissions in its logistic operations. Tesla Semi was first supposed to hit the market in 2019, but it's been delayed several times. However, recently Musk said that it's time to bring Tesla Semi to volume production 
and things are finally expected to move faster. Uh, so that's the good news for Tesla, is that they've got their semi-prototype in working full order, and hopefully that means that they'll have a fleet soon uh, to roll out and be used, because I think it will be great on the environment to have an electric uh, semi-fleet that is not uh, at least polluting, actively polluting the air uh, all around us. So that's the good news about Tesla. The bad news is that uh, J.D. Power has them ranked dead last on their automobile quality survey. Uh, The initial quality study, which ranks cars by the number of problems they have per 100 vehicles in the first 90 days of ownership, is in its 34th year now. And if you're a Dodge or Kia driver, you'll probably be very excited about this year's rankings. But if you're a Tesla fan, not so fast. Elon Musk's car company came in dead last in the rankings. The initial quality study ranked Tesla cars in 32nd place with 250 problems reported for every 100 vehicles. What's even more of a punch to Tesla is its last place ranking came well below the 31st ranker Land Rover, which at 228 had 22 fewer problems with their cars for every 100 vehicles than Tesla did. Announcing the rankings, J.D. Power noted that this is the first year Tesla was profiled in its initial quality study, and that needs to be taken into effect or into consideration. It said Tesla profile for the first time receives an initial quality score of 250 PP100. The automaker is not officially ranked among other brands in the study as it doesn't meet ranking criteria. Unlike other manufacturers, Tesla doesn't grant J.D. Power permission to survey its owners in 15 states where it is required. However, we were able to collect a large enough sample of surveys from owners in the other 35 states, and from that base we calculated Tesla's score, says Doug Betts, president of the automotive division at J.D. Power. So, good news for Tesla. They've got that semi-prototype in full working order. That seems to be a good omen for them to hopefully crank out some more. Bad news, they rank dead last, at least in 35 of the 50 states in uh, problems reported for every 100 vehicles. I believe George Roska is back with us now. Hi, George. Hey, guys. Sorry about that. That's that's no problem. Uh, so we were talking there about good news and bad news with Tesla, and uh, I was teasing Eric a little bit because he – and he's right. We I, I, I do need to be a little more closer to balanced, to say it conservatively, uh, on my feelings about Tesla and Elon Musk. And they had a great moment when SpaceX uh, reached uh, that milestone and got – the first launch in American uh, space history in 10 years to uh, to the space station and then the cool landing back on the ship with uh, in the ocean with that incredible uh, accuracy. But I was making fun of it a little bit because if I uh, commissioned NASA scientists to build me a blender and then took all the credit and called it the Austin Blender, is it really an Austin Blender or is it a NASA Blender with an Austin sticker on it? Uh, you know, uh, good old Elon. He's really good at what he does, right? <laughs> he is indeed. So, uh, you know, it's his money, but it's America's scientists that are getting that thing up there and back. But anyway, that that's just my, my take on that. George, I, yeah. I'm sure you've been following the NASCAR situation with Bubba Wallace. I'm sure you heard about that, correct? Yeah, I've heard about it. I haven't followed it too closely, but... Last I heard, they they said that it wasn't like intentionally placed there for him, right? It right. had been in the garage before, and um, they didn't know he was going to get the garage, so it wasn't it, it wasn't what they thought initially. So that's that's a good sign, right? I mean, that's a good yes. thing. Well, there, there's been great moments. Twenty twenty has been filled with nasty stuff, and the history books will look back on twenty twenty as a big time moment in the world's history. That happens anytime there's a pandemic. But then, of course, you've got the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and uh, Ahmaud Arbery, which, in my humble opinion, those all three were absolute murders. Uh, And that has sparked, I think, real movement and real change and real progress in regards to racial inequality and having to fix that in this country and hopefully around the world. And as part of that uh, moment, Bubba Wallace is uh, uh, the only black top-tier NASCAR racer in NASCAR's rankings. 
And he, of course, after the George Floyd murder, drove a Black Lives Matter vehicle. Uh, I believe that was at the Coca-Cola 600 that he drove that car. Then, uh, a week later, he uh, he was uh, at the Talladega race. I think it was uh, two weeks ago. And the he in his garage, there was reported to have been found a noose hanging in his garage. And so there was an FBI investigation launched. We got this great, incredible moment where all of NASCAR lined up behind Wallace's car and pushed it to the starting position uh, there at Talladega. He helped to get the Confederate flag banned from NASCAR racing, which uh, that which uh, was a racially it's just a ridiculous thing that anyone still flies or celebrates that that battle flag. And now we're seeing states like Mississippi, they're going to redesign their state flag and get rid of that, uh, that logo and that uh, making. But this has been a great moment in not just sports history, but I think history, period. And I wanted to share some thoughts that Bubba shared on the Today Show a couple days ago uh, about that moment and about how the FBI investigation may have determined that this was not, in fact, a hate crime. But make no bones about it, there was no overreaction here, and Bubba Wallace explains why. Bubba Wallace joins us now. Bubba, good to see you again, sir. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. NASCAR describing it uh, as, a, as a garage door pull that was fashioned like a noose. The FBI saying you were not uh, the target of, of a hate crime and that it had been there at least since last October. When you found that out on Tuesday, Bubba, what was your initial reaction? Um, you know, I was I was relieved, just like um, just like many others, to know that it wasn't targeted towards me. Um, but um, it's it's still frustrating to know that, you know, people are always going to test you and always just going to try to debunk you and that's uh that's what i'm trying to wrap my head around now from uh from you know saying i'm a fake and and all this stuff and that i reported it when it was uh news that was brought to me it was information that was brought to me that was already reported and so i was just kind of following suit but all in all it's another day i mean you you, you never saw the room for yourself as sam no. pointed out you didn't report it uh, yourself either is is there anything that you would have done different um no because when i when i did find out i was very adamant on searching all the garages and making sure uh, that this wasn't a garage pool and and uh ended up being one um but the uh the photo evidence that i've seen um and that i have in my possession of what was in our garage is exactly a garage pool it is uh, that is a noose. So it's, uh, you know, it's, I don't know when we'll get to the point to release that, that image, but it's, uh, anybody sees it, then it's, it's, it's alerting and it, and it makes you, it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up for sure. But, uh, all in all, like NASCAR says, you know, it's, it's a thing that I wouldn't change a thing. I would I would alert the NASCAR officials and let them kind of take care of it. If I had seen it in person, let let them know about it and let them take care of it. Bubba, to, to be clear here, it sounds like you don't think that this passes the smell test. It sounds like you're still fairly convinced that, that what was in that garage stall wasn't a rope pull, but it was a noose and it was designed to, to intimidate or make a statement. Is that what you still believe? It was... It was a it was a rope pull for for the garage door. It was attached. The, the image you see of where it was cut that's exactly what it was. But it was definitely in the shape of a noose. It wasn't a functioning noose. I talked to the FBI. The the two conversations I had with the FBI, which I never thought I'd talk to the FBI in my lifetime. So hey, there's always something new. Um, they uh, they said the first one was right after the race and said they're going to do everything in their power to figure it out. And they'll be in contact. And then the second conversation was the final one to where they gave me the lowdown of all the investigation and research they, they, have, they have completed and found out that um, that it was a garage pool, but it, in fact, was a noose. It was not a functioning noose, but it, it, it was a noose. And whoever 
had the time to create that and, and tie it up like that. Just, they were, they were skeptical about it. And, um, you know, and the FBI says that types, those types of things. And I, and I told them, I had questioned my, my team members, are we sure that this isn't, um, something that we're kind of taken out of context and they backed my team up and reiterated that if, if you were to see this, uh, at this time, you would stand with your team right now of why they were so alerted. So it's, uh, it is what it is. So I know there's, I know how the information was brought to me and how it was prosecuted and, and how I was just kind of on the sidelines, but let's go back. Let's go back to Talladega for a moment. Your best finish uh, at Talladega ever, uh, despite the ban on Confederate flags, Confederate flags outside the raceway. There was that that plane that was carrying a Confederate flag uh, during the race as well. Um, have you had conversations with NASCAR about precisely how they are going to enforce this ban on Confederate flags? Or are you just hoping people will stop out of the kindness of their hearts? I haven't had much time to think about anything else there, my friend, um, let alone have those conversations. But, um, you know, to have the right to peaceful protest, you know, so that's what they were doing. But let it be about something else. And they're up in arms. Um, so it's just a crazy world we live in. Um, you know, maybe one day we'll all get to a, a, a place in this world where we can all treat each other with kindness and and um and, and stand up for, for what they believe in is what's right and which is what I'm doing. So um, we'll, we'll have those conversations uh, later on down the road here soon. But uh, let's get through all this first. Last question, that show of unity on Monday, uh, that, that image that moved uh, so many of us. And, and there was your team owner, Richard Petty, known as the king in NASCAR, one of the founders of the sport itself, uh, embracing you as all those those drivers and crew members pushed your car to the start line. What'd you feel in that moment? Um, you know, I was obviously emotional. There was uh, a lot of love, compassion and understanding, which has been our messaging since Martinsville, um, which has been pretty cool. Uh, that was, that was, you know, very heartfelt for everybody in the industry to come together through that. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, honestly, I'm my mind is so foggy right now. I'm I'm frustrated on everything that's kind of going on, but uh, but no, that was a sign of, of what NASCAR is: is family, unity, solidarity, and uh, yeah. Bubba Wallace, best of luck to you, brother. Be well, okay. Thanks. Appreciate Take care it. Of yourself. Thank you. That's Bubba Wallace there on the Today Show, and I thought just an incredible moment. I wanted to make sure we we played that here on Utah Car Sense, being a car show and. A sports station. I think that those two things go hand in hand. And now, I, George, I've never been into racing in general. I've never been into NASCAR. I've probably spoken about and read more about NASCAR in the last five, four to five weeks than I have in my entire life combined previous to that. And I don't necessarily think this is going to be a, a, a fan gathering moment for the sport itself or the event itself. I don't think they're going to have uh, volumes of new fans that are going to buy the season packages on TV to watch NASCAR. But I don't really care about that. I, I view this as a real defining moment in our history where change is taking place to see the Confederate flag banned from the, the, the NASCAR ranks, which is, you know, we, we all know the predominant majority that makes up the, uh, the fan de demographics of NASCAR. That's an incredible historical moment, and I think a, 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 an, a, an example of real tangible change. What are your thoughts there? Well, I, I definitely think it's a big moment, and I definitely think that with, without everything going on, without all the protests, without all the pressure that's being put on corporations, because let's be honest, NASCAR didn't change this out of the goodness of their heart, right? They didn't change this because the fan base drove it, right? Why did they change this? They changed this because there was pressure on the sponsors to not basically provide money to NASCAR if they don't get rid of the uh, the battle flag, right? Uh, yeah, I think I think that that played a role in it, and and obviously this is uh, this whole movement. I, I've been going back and forth with so like the, the the news, for example, the good news. 
It was not a, a noose intended for Bubba Wallace. It was not a, as a hate crime. It was just someone being stupid, uh, possibly months, if not years ago, who tied the pole in that garage into a noose and left it. It's just a dumb thing to do. But the good yeah. news is it was not intended as a, a hate crime towards Bubba Wallace or anybody else. The bad news is that because it ended up not being a hate crime, there's throngs of people that are then dismissing it and saying, what an overreaction and this and that, and that that bothers me. Then the good yeah, news that- is that I see real change happening across our country, and the bad news is that I, my initial reaction is then, well, why did it take us centuries to get to this moment? And I agree with you that there's always that uh, skepticism, or, or uh, and me for, for me, I'll call it my cynical side, I see NASCAR make this change finally, and I did go, okay, which of their big-time sponsors said, we're pulling our money if you don't do this? And that got them to do it. And while it's not the most uh, uh, altruistic or or, or the most uh, integratable decision, uh, the process to making that decision, they still made the decision to ban the Confederate flag. And that, to me, is progress, regardless of why they ultimately decided to make that progress. Sure. No, I, I agree with everything you said there. And I definitely don't think it was an overreaction. I mean, considering yeah. what's going on in the world and, and the world we live in right now, that was completely the proper reaction. And if you saw a noose in, in your garage and you, you're Bubba Wallace, what are you going to think? Or, or his team, you know, because he didn't see it directly, he said. But um, yeah, you, you call the FBI, you do the investigation. They, they did everything absolutely right. Yeah. And he shouldn't be getting any any flag for reporting it or for it. it. It should be a good thing that it didn't turn out to be intentional yes. and against him. But but it's also a good thing that we were able to do the investigation and and have that conversation that it's absolutely unacceptable to, to have something like that be placed in somebody's garage. Right. If any of us went in fact, I have a, a real example of someone who I know really, really well who was having a few problems with some coworkers. This is years ago, not here, not anywhere I worked, but someone I know really well, they were having some problems with bullying from uh, some coworkers. And they came to work one day and they had hanging from their locker, someone had made a, a noose and was and an effigy was hanging there of an action figure with their picture on the face of that little action figure. And this person... Oh. What was you imagine? That'd be terrifying. This person was not of a minority race. This person had never experienced outward life-threatening racism towards them at all in any way, shape, or form. And they still reported it. They still, you know, said this is not right. This has to. This even if this is a joke, it's not funny. It's inappropriate. And they nipped it right in the bud. If any of us go to work and we see a, a noose hanging, we're going to report it. And the Absolutely. fact that if anyone out there is rolling their eyes and going, oh, typical media overreaction. All you got to do is look at the, the pictures that NASCAR and the FBI released of that thing and go, and you'll yeah. you'll have no more of that reaction. But yeah, I, anyway. it looked like a noose. Like, it, it did not look like, I mean, yes, it was a door pull. It was fashioned as one, but you saw the picture, you wouldn't think of a door pull. Yeah. So I guess the, the overall, the results of this whole thing is, I think change is happening Though centuries delayed, change is happening, but it's a constant thing, right? Like change is not, especially when it comes to this type of topic, it's not a check mark on a to-do list. We can't one day go, whew, we're over that. We can move on to the next problem. No, we've got to constantly continue to, to be open and willing to, to adjust to change and to be open to education opportunities and open to conversation, uncomfortable or familiar, and just listen to each other and not ever want, never go, Oh, I'm tired of this topic. Oh, when can we be done with this topic? No, it should never be done. It should never be a check mark. We should always constantly be fighting for equality across religions, across creeds, across races, no matter what, in this country or otherwise. We should constantly, every day, be fighting that battle. And I think there's, in this moment, people have fatigue of bad news. And I actually see this tragedy. Uh, of uh, the tragedies, I should say, of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor's murders, I see those as a tragedy that I wish had never occurred, but I think that people will look back on this year and say that those three people changed the world, that, that they were murdered and the world changed off of that for the better. Though I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't want people to get twisted. I'm not celebrating or, or, or saying that this was a good thing at all. 
I'm saying that change for the first time in my life, I'm seeing change in its true definition as a constant progress, not a check mark on a to-do list. And it's something we have to constantly be working at. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Change happens very slowly, right? And change happens day by day and every day. And you can't, like you said, check it up. Okay, we're done with that. We changed it. Like, it's it's not how it works. It's mm-hmm. just going to go back or it's going to have uh, other repercussions that are un- unforeseen. Um, and and you're right. It's it's an absolute tragedy that, you know, that those three people died, the way they died, the everything that happened was a tragedy. But it would be an even bigger tragedy if we didn't take the moment to implement the change that is needed. It's right. kind of how I look at it. That's perfectly so, said. Yes. Yeah. Why, why yeah, go through so. any hardship if we just uh, try to, you know, get over it and, and go back to the same way we did things? Uh, and pretend it didn't didn't exist. Right. That, Even take it know, to we, the, the pandemic. Why go? Th- we don't want to go through this thing and not be better for having gone through it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's Utah Car Sense. Uh, I, I wanted to celebrate that moment, uh, being a car show, being here on a sports station. I thought that was really important. Uh, to hear from Bubba Wallace himself. Seems like an incredibly smart, gifted athlete who uh, has had a spotlight thrust upon him and has uh, taken that that mantle and run with it. And uh, later in the show, we'll hear from Bill Lester, who in the 90s and early 2000s, he was the only uh, African-American driver on the NASCAR circuit. And he did an interview with NPR that, uh, you know, really, I think, uh, is important for people to hear. We'll hear that coming up later in the show as well. But we're still looking for your suggestions. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. The most iconic vehicles, be it a car, a boat, a plane, a bike, I don't care. A vehicle of any kind in pop culture, the most iconic you can name. 855-340-ZONE. we got to talk about this article in the Deseret News that uh, a, a worldwide trend in social engineering has found its way to Salt Lake City during the pandemic, and it involves transportation and veh- vehicular use. We'll talk about that. We also need to get to uh, should you buy a car at Costco or not? I know George can help us out with that and more. Coming up next here on Utah Car